Just a minute. He kind of looks like a baby. Come here, I'm gonna eat you! I'm bigger than you! You know, man, it seems like at least once or twice a year, I have some fucking asshole try to tell me how Slipknot saved metal. I was having this conversation before we got on here. Uh, yeah, it seems like everything going on in the world, that is a pressing matter. It really is. If, if we, could, if we could only have some more Slipknot to do with to the economy and our social, our, our just overall our society, what they did for metal. As the, the comment says, why the hate on the band that kept metal alive? That's inarguable, by the way. Whether you like or dislike, they become the biggest metal act, and we've put so many different kinds of bands on their festivals, which is worldwide, and their tours. And it was like, yeah, that's great. They saved metal worldwide and ruined the music scene in Iowa. Go fuck uh, yourself. I, I would actually, I'm maybe, I have no dog in this fight. Uh, I really have no background in it. I have a feeling if you go ask people to, you know, of, of my nature into this thing to define anything about metal, the, the last thing you're going to hear is Slipknot. <clears throat> it's probably about the last thing you're going to hear, too. Here. Because around here, we don't call them Slipknot. We call them Shitspot. Fuck you! There we go. Fucking pricks. Shut up! You know what? I promised I wasn't going to get all worked up. I was super worked up earlier. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll try not to get worked up, too, but you know how that works. You know how that works. Uh, the run looks really, really long, but that's because I sent you the version that has, like, all my notes on it. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I thought it looked good. <clears throat> Let's do this so we can go eat tacos and you can do what you gotta do at 5 o'clock. Uh, we're not on B-roll, are we? Um, we don't have to be. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, we kind of control the B-roll, so... Well, I, I was just gonna say, we'll cut this out. Uh, meeting with, uh... Ah, gotcha. Or one half of... Did, uh... Did you by chance listen to uh, part one of Destino yet? I had it on for tomorrow. I was going to listen to him back to back. I, um, well, part two, it was not an issue. Part one, I edited out six N-bombs from track. <laughs> so he'll be just sitting there talking and all of a sudden. I'm guessing he wasn't on part two. <laughs> Oh, no, he was on part two. He just wasn't dropping N-bombs in part two. Yeah. If something got into it. It was all recorded at once. I, I wasn't necessarily planning on it being two episodes. It just kind of worked out that way. Hey, two days, two episodes. Hey, there you go. All right, man. You ready to talk some Capital Carnage? Let's do it. All right. On that note, hit the open. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. Speak your mind. 
podcast that's got topics for days and it'll leave you in a haze. Hosted by two mother that like to talk about everything news, sports, politics, pro wrestling, people jumping off buildings, taco shops, top 10 lists, and more. It's got one guy who likes to get high on a lot of grass, and the other guy who got shot in the ass. And now, here's your host of the Hitting the Marks podcast, Jargo and RBV. Thanks, MSG. Hello, ladies and gaijin, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Hitting the Marks podcast presented online by the HTM Podcast Network, hittingthemarks.com, as well as Hameen Media Group, hackerhameen.podbean.com, Hameen Media Group, .podbean.com. I am the aforementioned Dr. Jargo. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who doesn't look like he has any tears in his eyes left over after last night. He's the real RBV, Rick. I'm very sorry for your loss. Wait, that's okay. We, we, we've got bigger bigger fish to fry here. It's Jargo, Rome is burning, and the powers that be, they want, they want you to, and me, and, and all of our listeners, the, the HTM Nation, the, the Hameen Army, they want us to feel the heat, but that's not necessarily the case. Calm, cool, collective, that's me, the OG from Cincinnati, the RBV, Richard Bronson Vickery. You know what? This morning I, I was I was prepping for the show. I, I was getting a little fired up, but I had to take a step back, take that breather. I mean, we have got one hell of a run today. We, we've got some hot topics to hit on. Before we jump into that, though, I want to do a little bit of a disclaimer. As as I'm researching here, I'm watching the, the news, the media, and and really just looking out the window and seeing society around us. Jargo, uh, I do have the disclaimer. I, I refuse to apologize for a few points that I will continually stress. Uh, I will refuse to apologize that, yes, that I stand to the right behind the principles of core education to reform it, core education. I stand by financial responsibility. I stand by a strong military, and I damn sure stand by the belief that in this world, especially in these great United States of ours that you earn, you earn what you're given. Nobody, damn sure nobody deserves anything. And I refuse to apologize for any of those beliefs. And I will not let anyone out there try to shame me over those stances. Man, like just before we started, you were saying, I'm not going to get worked up today. I'm not going to get worked up. Jesus Christ, man. We're like two minutes into the show. You're worked up. Hey, that is not worked up. This is what we're going to hit them with. What we always hit them with here, Jargo, as we are not mainstream media. We are the alt. We are bringing you the, the facts, the stats, the different perspective in encouraging you. But maybe we'll kick it up a notch. We're going to kick you in the ass with the reality to open your own eyes and your own mind, again, by actual stats and facts. Yeah, we're, we're not deplatformed yet, but of course, you know, you, you never can always sometimes tell. That might be coming. Um, I, I do have an editor's note as well. Um, hopefully this episode sounds all right, because I have been having some issues with the USB cable that runs from my interface into my computer. I do have a new one on order, but it is not here yet. So if uh, there are some issues with the audio today, if, if things seem like they might skip around a little bit, if there's another extra intermission or two, 
chances are that's what's going on. So just kind of bear with us, and hopefully by next week we have whatever issues there might be fixed. Um, and also, I guess before we, we jump into Capital Carnage is, is really the, the best thing to call it right now, um, we have to get in our weekend update. And Rick, I know you, you're kind of hit and miss on the weekend update, whether you like doing it, whether you dislike doing it, but now we have a sponsor. If you head over to justcbdstore.com, just CBD, the very finest, and whether it be edibles, whether it be vape products, and you enter the code HTM at checkout, you will actually get 20% off of your entire order. Maybe that's what you need, Huckleberry. Maybe you need some CBD to just, you know, calm down a little bit. Head over, hit our friends at justcbdstore.com, promo code HTM, and Rick, now they are sponsoring the weekend update. So we get to do this segment every week. Aren't you thrilled? Uh, absolutely. I say, hey, when it comes to the freaking weekend, come have some fun. Go get you some at justcbdstore.com. And Jargo, this this is beyond fitting. I had no idea that this was in the works, that this is where they were going to land with us on the show, but I'm liking this rhyming mood today. So here we go, though. I, you know what? You usually start this off, you know, I'm going to jump in. As you know, I've been out there. I've been trying to make a run at this dry January, but, but I need a release at times. So, yes, this past weekend, I, I stuck to the dry January. But it became high January. So very fitting with our new sponsors. Here. Adam, yeah. boy, I like it. I like it. Uh, I, I, I did reconfirm. And those that are around me learned. Uh, I think I need some, I need some adjusting or a, a different approach to, to how I'm going to enjoy the high life. Man, that's straight up smoking. It, it hits me, man. It hits me weird. You know, I, I was always one of those people. Now, granted, I don't drink alcohol anymore, um, more so by chance than by choice, just kind of the way that things work out. Now, like, I'm anti-alcohol. I just don't really drink alcohol anymore. But even when I was drinking a lot, and I mean a lot, ladies and gentlemen, I could not smoke and drink at the same time. I can do one or the other, and I'm fine, but I can't do both. It's kind of, Maybe that's where I'm at here because I tell you what, I go off – into my own reality, into my own little world where everything else continue to move around me, but, but I am completely seeing it in a, in a different light. I am in different conversations, uh, com completely zoned out. Interesting. Uh, right here, I'll, I'll go ahead and hold it up for Huckleberry so he can, can see it. If you can actually see that, this is from our friends at justcbdstore.com. I'm getting ready to uh, fire up the Northern Lights Indica cartridge, 200 milligram CBD. Uh, for, for those who may not be aware, CBD, all the positive effects of smoking marijuana, just without the THC, which gives you the high. So depending if you're looking for anxiety, if you're looking for hunger relief, if you're looking for focus, kind of depending on what it is, depending on the strain, Chances are you can find it from our friends over at Just CBD. They have a strawberry Kush that is the freaking bomb, dude. It tastes so good. Have you ever have you ever like vaped CBD? Uh, I've never vaped. For some reason, that does not surprise me a whole lot. Uh, I'm gonna go along with the. Uh, I I have a pair of balls. Um, I I don't I don't get the vaping. Uh, for me, it's very much if, if I'm looking for the effects of marijuana, just without the high, 
I can turn to CBD. CBD has a lot of great properties that we should probably do a show on sometime. Just talk about so, the, the the effects of marijuana without the high. I mean, isn't that like it's, it's like a Chinese riddle? I mean, isn't that like drinking zero percent alcohol beer? It might be like drinking Zima. That's that's a callback to the uh, Testino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. Did you know Zima is still a thing in Japan? When's the last time you saw a Zima? Well, when you get iced, right? I mean, that was that was around what about within the decade? Was it within the decade? Because I don't remember yeah. seeing it for like thirty years. Yeah, well, when you get iced, or you know, you know what I really like—the uh, Skittle Brow. You know, the beer with candy floating around in it. Nice six pack of that. Huh. Oh, uh, it it doesn't exist. Uh, I learned that. So do not go home and try to put Skittles into your beer. You will have a fucking mess. Exit strategy 74. Just saying. Make that work. Make that work. Huckleberry, I did a whole lot of nothing over the course of the weekend, man. Um, we, we did get the cake completed. Uh, I have a newfound respect for individuals that make like professional cakes. Um, I don't understand fondant. I, I mean, the, the, the cake ended up looking fine, but I, I don't understand fondant. I don't understand how you make it look all pretty. And we ended up making two cakes, right? And so we did one in buttercream frosting. We did one in fondant. The buttercream tastes so much better, dude. Like, why do people even bother with fondant other than it looks pretty? Oh, yeah, presentation is key. You know, when you're out, when you're out selling... Especially if you if you are you know through that over the top the the top echelon of the bakery arts, you're going with that key that 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 presentation again. We finally sat down. We ate the cake on Saturday, and uh, Sunday morning got a, a rude awakening. Yeah, green shit. All the dye, all the color in there. Yep, yep, yep. I was the uh, unlucky one that actually made that discovery. And I was like, one of two things is true. I either have entirely too much iron in my diet or all the food coloring has dyed my shit green. And a little while later, Carly came back and said, you do not have too much iron in your diet. Well, it's actually, uh, you go along with that. Anyone that consumes a lot of sports drinks with the different colors in there, Kool-Aid. Oh, interesting. You're, you're going to have the same the same issue there. It, uh, it comes with the dye into the product. Uh, but interesting as this is, Jargo, I, I wish it was the biggest pile of shit we were going to talk about on today's show. I know, right? Um, so I, I guess we'll go ahead and jump into it. So we came out with the show last Tuesday, and we told everybody, get ready, the shit's about to hit the fan. Um, the shitteth have hitteth the faneth. Uh, Rick, I, I don't think even in my wildest dreams, I couldn't, what we saw on our televisions last Wednesday, um, it's a crazy, crazy time in America and, and we're going to jump into it. And there's a lot of things to talk about because there's a lot of really, really weird shit going on with what happened at the Capitol building. Um, but I guess let's just, for the sake of conversation, let's assume that this is 100% legit and what we saw on television is exactly what happened. What were kind of your thoughts as you were watching this all unfold on Wednesday? As I, you know, going into it immediately, and I know it's really hard to ignore, Jarga, and I do want to kind of stick to to what we know, and really what we know, and I don't know if we could say hard facts, but what we know is what we perceived, is what we actually could see with our eyes, and the actions that were unfolding there. 
So to focus in on on just that moment in time, you know, very disturbing uh, in a sense. And not so much necessarily the, the act of what was happening, uh, but that we've gotten to this point in society right. where we we cannot even – we are to a point where it's seemingly – and you're, you were talking about how this entire cluster, how everything – this, this powder keg is ready to set off. Yeah, I still think we're at the base of the mountain. I, I think we have yet to see truly – how devastating this is going to be. But to me, it really gave me the same feelings. And no matter what side of the fence you stand on, if you saw it as a righteous movement, as you saw it as a treasonous act, as you saw it as patriotism, if you saw it as criminal, that I'm dismissing all of that right now. What is most disturbing and ultimately disgusting is we got to at a point as a society where we have completely burned all of our bridges and lines of communication. We are beyond the civilness of being able as mature adults that, that understand that we might have different routes mapped out, but we ultimately want the same destination. I feel we have far moved beyond that. And that is the scariest part of what we saw last week and what we can continue to see today, what we will continue to see as we record and well into the future. Well, and especially a week from now uh, when Joe Biden is sworn into office. Now we're hearing all kinds of different reports nationwide going to all 50 state houses, which we'll, we'll also get into here in a minute. Um, I, we got to start with Trump's speech. Um the thing that was weird about Trump's speech to me is I watched it live. And as I'm watching it live, I'm going, this is not good. Like, this is not going to be good. And then last night, Rick, I did something that I don't normally do. I, I went over, uh, I'll put it in the show notes, the full transcript you can find over at aljazeera.com of Trump's entire speech. And I just sat at it without Trump, without the context, without the tone, without the nuance. I don't see anything here impeachable. Like as I'm looking at exactly what came out of his mouth in black and white without trying to infer what was being said, because legally they don't infer what was being said. They look at what was being said. Rick, in reading through this transcript, I don't see anything here. I, I do have to agree with you 100%. As you look at it in the real time, if you go back and you see the presentation and you kind of get that sense of the body language, and in so many ways, too, just the visual of, of Trump himself. You know, so many people are quick to just make a judgment in, in what the point, what the narrative should be. And that's fair to say on both sides, you know, immediately when I, as someone that does stand to the right, it's one of those things you, you constantly catch yourself on when you're listening to, you know, say someone like Biden or Harris is to, you have to pause for a minute and say, okay, you put your, your perceived notions on pause right now and, and let them deliver their message, then dissect it, consume it. And develop your thoughts and your true feelings on this thing. You go through this thing and, and you're just looking. If you didn't know who had said this, 
I don't think there is. Now, even with that being said, is there undertone messages? Absolutely. Is, is he still trying to push and rally those that believe in him? Absolutely. But impeachable offense, not at all. I just, I don't see it. And in, in so many ways, as we're dissecting this here, we can use, we can employ those same philosophies later on when we start talking about Amazon and Facebook and Twitter and their treatment of Trump and the right and especially his followers. A couple of quotes that I pulled out of the transcript from Donald Trump. Now, you can go and you can find the video online. You can listen to Donald Trump or you can listen to me read it calmly with maybe, I don't know, some smooth piano behind it. We're going to walk down to the Capitol and we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. We're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them because I'll, you'll never take back your country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. Now, if you read that in a threatening manner, you can take it one way. You read it with smooth piano, it sounds very, very different. We have come to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated. Lawfully slated. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Of course, peacefully kind of being the important word in, in that phrase. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I love Pennsylvania Avenue. And we're going to the Capitol and we're going to try and give. The Democrats are hopeless. They're never voting for anything, not even one vote. But we're going to try to give our Republicans the weak ones because the strong ones don't need any of our help. We're going to try and give them the kind of pride and boldness that they need to take back our country. So let's walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I want to thank you all. God bless you. God bless America. Thank you for being here. This is incredible. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now you listen to Orange Man Badge say all of that, and you can absolutely take everything that he said and get the result that happened. But when it comes to impeachment of a president when it comes to the potential removal and disqualification of a president Rick, I, I don't see it here I just don't see it I mean all of the time we're told that the president's words matter well the president's words only matter when he's saying something that you don't agree with because when he's saying something that 90% of the world will agree with like let's make our voices heard peacefully it's just trump they just fucking hate trump and again it's those preconceived notions of simply of who is delivering a message and you trying to read into it but you have been manipulated to believe into it and that is simply what you're getting well and sometimes they say take his words literally and then other times no you have to read between the lines and it's which set of rules are we playing by today? Well, it's it's a simple case of what fits your agenda here, and and we and now we ultimately you know everything's being masked here again. 
it's you know they are screaming the we 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 must move forward. We must march forward with this impeachment because of the treasonous acts that were ignited by the words of your president to, to speak out, you know, uh, against America in this form. Absolute act of treason. That's why we need to go to move forward here. It is criminal. Well, let's get to those stats and facts that we have promised to deliver, because that's absolutely not what this is about. This is about potentially four years from now. And other forms of involvement where the Democrats, the left, especially the stream left, extreme left, are trying to cover their asses. They are trying to bury. And I know, you know, with our background of pro wrestling, it is a term that is that is overly used and abused. But they are absolutely trying to bury just not Donald Trump, but the voice and the people that he represents. This goes much deeper as an impeachment act here. If they could get this thing through, would disqualify him from any future positions in office. The the precedent that it sets, that's the thing that I find incredibly concerning. I mean, impeachment and treason, those two things are like the two words that you just, you don't throw them around. Those words hold a lot of weight to them in my world, and I just don't see it especially because of all the weird shit, number one, and number two, all the weird shit that has happened since. Um, one of which is Anderson Cooper. Um, did you see after, I, I wish I would have found this clip, afterwards, Anderson Cooper basically makes a comment that he's just so disgusted that, you know, these people afterwards are going to go back to the Olive Garden and they're going to go back to their Holiday Inn and, you know, they're going to sit and laugh about what they did today and they, like, they don't think this is a big deal to them. Can, can I just say, we're watching these images of people, you know, some of them leaving the Capitol grounds, wandering back, high-fiving each other, smiling, quite pleased with themselves for what they have done today. And it's truly just outrageous and pathetic. Each of these pre people should be shamed for what they have done today. We should look at their faces. And if I was standing on that street, look at them. They're high-fiving each other for this deplorable display of, of, of completely unpatriotic completely against law and order, completely unconstitutional behavior. It's stunning. And they're going to go back, you know, to the Olive Garden and to their the Holiday Inn that they're staying at and the Garden Marriott. And they're going to have some drinks and they're going to talk about the great day that they had in Washington. And they really did something and stand up for something. And they stood up for nothing other than mayhem. And, and a man who is you know, in the despicable waning days of a failed president. And then like the next night he has to come out with a statement apologizing to the Olive Garden. And it's like, you son of a bitch. The fucking advertisers wrote in and were like, hey, motherfucker. And so then he goes out and he issues this half-hearted retraction. Oh, my. Here's Anderson Pooper. I should have been more clear with something I said in the immediate moments after the attack as people who had broken into the Capitol were simply being allowed to leave, it seemed, to just walk away, celebrating, in fact, the criminal act that they had taken part in. I was trying to remark about the seeming casualness of the behavior that we were all witnessing at that moment after the attack, the high-fiving, the laughing, the celebratory atmosphere as if they'd actually accomplished something other than just disgraceful mayhem. I said they should be ashamed of what they did, and I believe that. 
And I was trying to say, and perhaps didn't do a good job of it, that they were just going to go back to their lives that day as though they were patriots. They were going to go back to hotels and have a drink, have some dinner. I named the two hotels that I could think of in the Capitol Hill in that moment in the mall area. I named the Olive Garden as a restaurant they might eat at, normal places as if this was just a normal day. I was actually thinking of another restaurant in that area with the name Olive in it, but in the moment, my brain froze. I couldn't remember the exact name. I said the Olive Garden. It turns out the nearest one is in Maryland. That smug bastard. That's the shit that pisses me off. You know, like, what happened, I can be absolutely outraged by. But then the coverage of the way that this is being presented. Rick, did you know this is the darkest day in American history? They would have you believe that nothing has ever went wrong at the Capitol building ever before. Hell, man, I found a whole freaking list of times that shit has happened at the freaking Capitol building going all the way back to 1814 when the British Army invaded Washington, D.C. and lit the motherfucker on fire. Lit it on fire. In 1914, German professor Eric Mentor detonated a bomb in the reception room of the Senate in an effort to stop American support of the Allies. In 1954, four Puerto Rican nationalists shot 30 rounds from the ladies' gallery into the House of Representatives. The bullet holes are still in the freaking building. They never actually removed them as kind of a reminder of this awful day in American history that, you know, we completely forgot about. March 1st, 1971, radical left domestic terror group called the Weather Underground set off a bomb on the ground floor of the Capitol building. Another leftist bombing in 1983 when terrorist group Armed Resistance Unit set off a bomb outside the office of Senate Minority Leader Robert, Robert Byrd. Finally, July 24th, 1998, Russell Eugene Weston Jr. breaks into the Capitol, took two lives of Capitol Police officers, Jacob Chestnut and John Gibson, and nobody even knows why. This is not the first time that this has happened. This is not the worst day in American history. It might be the worst day for the media because the way this thing has been covered is just freaking insane to me. Yeah, again, you know, in, inside of the narrative and, and what we have done and what we have, what just continues inside of this manipulative media is where they have begun. Let's really look at this thing. I mean, this is ultimately a chess game where they have been maneuvering pieces, manipulating a system to rewrite history to tell their narrative going forward. That is, this is absolutely one of the pawns inside of this game. As, as we look at these bigger pictures here, it, this is just one part of it. And it is, again, using the working under the, the guise of, of fear and widespread hatred that they are manipulating what has happened in our past so that they can dictate not just the future, but over oversensitize what we're working with here in the present. Dictate the future. I'm very, very happy that you use that phrase. Because now, all I heard about last night is the FBI warning of potential protests at all 50 state capitals on January 20th. Rick, we knew weeks ago that this was going to happen. We knew about this rally on January 6th in Washington, D.C. for weeks 
This is the first that I'm hearing about all these protests nationwide at all of the state. Ca I feel like they're gaslighting the fuck out of the American people right now. And again, this actually, you dive into this story. This is being referenced back to one and we can use these this term because I certainly use it to the left, but there is a radical right group oh, that, this is, that this is being tracked back to that is encouraging that that they are they are trying to rally individuals to together to march on, as you said, Jargo, which I mean, it, it's in, in a twisted way, you know, incredible to, to, to try to organize something like this to march on all 50 capitals. Have you heard anything about this until like the last 24 hours and all of it coming from the media? Uh, and that's, you're right. It's been what the last 24, 48 hours that we begin to get these leaks on this here. Uh, but to me, the bigger issue again is this essentially is, this is a seed that has been planted by a very minute, minuscule, ex right extremist group. This is a bigger issue that I am having right now and why I opened up with the reason why I will not apologize for certain beliefs that I stand with on the right. It, I'm just so disgusted by the corralling that we are beginning to see simply uh, associating and more so accusing individuals simply because of, of a support or a vote that they cast. And, and that's what we're getting. We, we are ultimately seeing the, the vilification of anybody that not just not just stands to the right, but it poses the extreme left values. They are they are beginning to be labeled and numbered and really criminalized. And that inside of itself, you know, we're regularly hearing right now. If. If you justified this, then this was okay. And when we look at the, the different types of demonstrations, riots, whatever you might want to label them as or view them as, what we're seeing those comparisons here. How the hell is that any different, you know, that I would be crucified if I went out there and simply held in regard because I look at the crime rate in this country and those figures, they point towards african-american in our society i would be crucified if i took to any kind of pod airwaves whatever the platform might be and began to corral and label all of the african-americans in our society as criminals we deal with that real issue now those same tactics are being employed in the direction of anybody that goes to the right well, in, in Washington, D.C. right now, it's just literally anybody. D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser, number one. Why would you elect somebody named Bowser? Did you people, like, not play Mario Brothers when you were a kid at all? Muriel Bowser issues a public emergency order for 15 days. So Washington, D.C. is locked down for 15 days. Muriel Bowser's of Washington on Wednesday night issued an order extending the city's public emergency for 15 days, warning that extremists who support president Trump might continue to wreak havoc in the nation's capital. Have you heard of anything since Wednesday? Cause I haven't. And here, and here is a, another, a, a, I know as, as we're corralling, we're, we are pointing, pointing fingers here, 
the actual worry at the time, yes, is and actually what you saw is when they, they implemented that curfew there and asked those crowds to to go their way. Ninety nine percent of them were just like, all right, cool. Yeah. Bye. The warning was, and it was coming from all major media platforms that evening, not necessarily singling out what these what what, what did you call them in here? The uh the pro Trumpster terrorists or what or whatever. Uh, extremists who support President Trump. The the Trump extremists. Yes, the ones who will continue to wreak havoc on the nation's capital. No, it it wasn't that group that they were worried about continuing to wreak havoc on the nation's capital. It was actually going to be the conflict that might arise when you have other groups that will strike under the hood of darkness at night that would continue this conflict. That's what they were trying to avoid. They weren't ultimately so worried about what was happening in the real time when this curfew was issued. They were really trying to cover their ass so that the, they would not see a same scenario where they saw the outskirts of Washington burn over the summer. The directive actually expires at 3 p.m. on January 21st. So this thing has been extended all the way through the Biden inauguration. Um, kind of ironic, right? Like 3 p.m. on a Wednesday. Like, yeah. Okay, not, now everything's good to go. Biden's in office. Whole thing stinks, man. This Muriel Bowser, I, I don't trust her whatsoever. Um, which kind of brings us to the conspiracy theories and false flags that are floating out there. There are so much just absolute fabricated shit floating around out there on the internet. But I do believe one of two things is true. Either this was a staged event or we have a real security issue in Washington, D.C. Because, Rick, there is video of the police just opening up the gates to let these people in. We have seen the video over and over and over about how there there's the one cop that's being chased up the stairs. Some people say that he's actually leading people up the stairs. That guy does not strike me as a capital city police officer to me. Like he seems like a rent a cop that you hired from like Permar security. You know what I mean? Like he actually like bends over and picks up a billy club to try to hold these people back. Like capital city police. Rick, there's 2,300 members of the Capital City Police Force. Their budget is $500 million for the year. We have every member of Congress, both houses, all in the same place at the same time. We're expecting anywhere between 500,000 to a million Trump supporters are going to be in the streets of Washington, D.C. Trump's going to be out there giving a speech. We know that tensions are going to be high. So we have like a security guard with a billy club. That's that's going to hold back that entire mob of people. Well, what, what we end up with, you know, we hear in the build and everything you've put out there, Jargo, and you're right. You know, they're they're asking, why weren't you prepared for this? We knew about this happening weeks ago. There, there were even members of Congress that were like, I dude, the, this procedural thing started and I got up there and I said my piece and I got out because I was expecting this. Well, you have they, they make a call 
they put in a, a, you know they a request for the national guard and then send them home well at the end, well at that point who decides it's a good idea instead of the national guard we get paul blart right and, and that's essentially what was given here the conspiracy side of this thing the nitty gritty all the dirt you need on that you know it, you, you go to the the horseman the conspiracy horseman hackerhamin.podbean.com Wherever they're allowed to be airing live this week, they are and they are being censored by Twitch. They are having their woes, ups and downs, being flagged on YouTube. But the content will be there for you. They're going to break all that down for you. They're conspiracy horsemen. Hackerhotmean.podbean.com. You know, to me though, it is I'm sitting here. I, I got to believe it. There is. I think there's truth all around. I think there's false flags and truth in, in every one of those avenues. This thing is, is so the waters are so muddied and it's precisely because that they did see this coming and everybody involved with this thing, instead of looking for a practical solution, uh, instead of coming together as a society, the red, white, and blue together, Everybody looked for opportunities to manipulate and push their own agendas here. And I believe that across the board, right, left, up, down, north, south, east, west, everybody looking out for their own. And we talk about plants. I absolutely agree there were plants there. We talk about the Trumpsters. There were Trumpsters there. there. There were people from different walks of life and in between all there pushing an agenda. And, and now we have got the extreme manipulation coming from these media platforms to, to twist the realities of what we were seeing. Absolutely. And immediately when it happened... I looked over at Carly and I said, they're going to impeach him for this. And now uh, attempt to, well, no, they're going to impeach him. He will be impeached. That that's absolutely going to happen. And then what happens in the Senate, that's the interesting part, but I absolutely expect that the house is going to impeach him because they just need a majority vote for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, once it gets through, I mean, you might see the process begin here. I mean, you do you really believe that we are we will see before the end of the term? Oh yeah, absolutely. He, he'll be impeached by Wednesday. I'm, I'm guessing Wednesday afternoon they'll have him impeached. Well, I, and I think you know we run into bigger issues as, as I alluded towards earlier here, Jargo. And I know you've had it here on the run. I know you've researched this thing. It is the bigger issue is. What this does, if they can get this through, and it is so important for the Democrats, why they are pushing so hard for this thing to happen so rapidly, they have to get this done to assure that he could never run for an elected office again. That's what the, that's what this is all about. But that's not even so much about the impeachment itself. Um, I And unfortunately, there's a lot of people that make this mistake, including our freaking media, um, impeachment happens in the house. Removal happens in the Senate. The actual trial happens in the Senate. Uh, basically the way that I view impeachment, um, is the house is like a grand jury. They bring charges against the president and say that there is sufficient evidence here. And then they send it to the Senate for trial. 
Actual impeachment does not result in the removal of office. He's already been impeached once. Uh, Bill Clinton's impeached. Like th- th- this is well, yeah. It's to, to me, it is a you know, it's almost like the court system where you're where you're supposed to be seen as innocent until proven guilty. Right. This is the bringing of charges against. So this has already happened. Yes. And it's going to happen again. The, the the first time, the absolute bullshit impeachment that we went through the first time about a year ago, um, if you actually look for the impeachment documents, it's, it's about 300 pages. This time around, it's a grand whopping total of four. And basically they have, they have as we are sitting here recording today, they very well may be voting um, to pass a bill to formally call on Mike Pence to wrest power from Donald Trump, uh, which would be the invoking of the 25th Amendment. I have heard from different media outlets how Mike Pence feels about this, but I have not heard from Mike Pence how Mike Pence feels about this. I do know that Mike Pence and Donald Trump sat down on Monday and spoke, had a meeting for like an hour reflecting on their presidency and all the good that they have done in the country. Um, And supposedly it was a good meeting. First time that Trump and Pence had even spoken since the events of Wednesday. I do not expect that Mike Pence is going to even assist in the invoking of the 25th Amendment. But the House of Representatives at this point, Nancy Pelosi, is saying either you do that or we're going to impeach him and we're going to vote on it on Wednesday. Yeah, and that, that is the threat here. It's, it is, you know, we had talked about, you know, just for them to have that label there of impeachment of what this could mean down the road for a, a potential. Because, you know, immediately following Election Day, we, we talked about it here. You jumped all over this thing, you know, Trump 2024. Yep. Uh, you know, that squash is that. But it does. I guess. Well, if just being impeached does not squash that, that's another resolution that the Senate would have to pass along with removal. That's what they are hoping to get to. And that's that's what I'm talking about here. And what they can do is block somebody while in office and impeachment there. means you cannot not to cut you off, but also to be clear, if the 25th Amendment would be invoked, that also is disqualifying. Yes, Uh, but they cannot go after someone once they return to regular citizenship and this is where things are gonna get fun and complicated but to go back here real quick when i'm I'm layering this thing together one of the biggest issues possibly the biggest issue in all of this it's we want everybody again wants to focus in on on trump himself i think your biggest issue is you know they're looking to get pence to essentially to pull a caesar here to stab him at two brute. Yes. You know, uh, there's, there is word that other Republicans will jump ship, that they will join in, in this impeachment movement and in all levels will go against the party grain or against, you know, the president and kind of us a, a little bit here aligned with the Democrats. I think the, the bigger issue, if we see this unfold, in this this dynamite, this powder cake being put in place by the Democrats, this ultimately could mean the downfall, the end of the Republican Party, creating that divide by maybe if you want to call them the traditionalists and the Trumpsters, 
You look at a country divided cannot stand. A party, the Republican Party, divided like this will not survive. I, I'm firmly on board. I believe that within the next 12 years, I don't think it'll happen in eight, but within the next 12 years, I think we have four to five party system in this country because I, I think it's going to happen. I think the Republicans and the Trumpets are going to split. And I also believe that the Democrats and the socialists are going to split, thus creating four parties. In doing so, you're going to cut the vote. You, you're, the percentages are going to get slashed basically in half. And at a certain point, hopefully we can get the libertarians also on that ticket to make it five instead of four. I was going to say, I was going to throw you libertarians in there. I called you like the outlanders, the outworlders. I, I feel <laughs> like you... we're the only fucking sane people that are looking at this entire situation and going, you realize how fucking stupid you all are? You know, like it, it just, it's mind blowing to me. Like this is the shit that libertarians, like all the censorship going on, the whole raid on the cap and like all of it, the libertarians are like, we've been fucking telling you for years. Hey, I, I will say, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I, I saw the statistic it's across the board. I, I saw a number of figures showing where right now following uh, immediately following the election, and especially last week of what we've seen, uh, hell, one of them right here, Lynn County, out in your neck of the woods, Gargo, That where, is uh, my neck of the woods. There you go. Live in Cedar, County. Cedar Rapids. Already hundreds of registered Republican voters leaving the party, uh, switching to the Libertarian, Independent, or even in some cases, Democrat. But bottom line, leaving the party. We are seeing this across the country. Now, I, I wonder, and it could be a little bit of, you know, column A, column B, column C. But one of the things that my biggest concern here is, is as I talk about corralling people and labeling because they vote or a political party they're affiliated with, are these scare tactics? You know, we are seeing you know, simply being vilified and criminalized, people are simply just wearing a T-shirt in support of Trump, uh, getting added to no-fly list, being rounded up by authorities. Is this that they have changed their stance? Is it that they feel embarrassed and ashamed of a light that's being projected by last week's actions at the Capitol? Or are they just terrified of what this, this growing movement towards a leftist socialist society is prepared to do to them. They might be scared of Keith Olbermann. Here, here's Keith Olbermann calling for the 25th Amendment. This is Olbermann versus Trump. Early this morning, Joe Biden's Electoral College victory was finally certified by Congress, and thus the United States of America has survived a terrorist attack orchestrated by the president of the United States of America. This was Donald Trump's 9-11. He must be removed from office immediately. The 25th Amendment has been demanded by House Judiciary Democrats, suggested by the Conservative National Association of Manufacturers, and reportedly discussed by Republican leadership, and even in the White House itself. The 25th Amendment will do, for now. 
But sadly, this is not merely about one madman. There are Trump's terrorists who went into the Capitol, who threatened state capitals. Only 52 of them were arrested as the Capitol Police, some sympathetic to the terrorists, utterly failed. Two weeks from now, the hundreds of others who invaded our Capitol will have to face charges of attempting to overthrow our government. Happily, their own social media feeds will be enough to convict them. However, yesterday, January 6th, 2021, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by the forces of Donald Trump. Last night, with blood still figuratively in the halls of the Capitol, 121 Republican congressmen and six Republican senators still voted to give Trump's terrorists exactly what they wanted, overturning the Electoral College vote. 127 Republicans, all told from Senator Hawley, who just before all the nightmares came true, had given a closed-fisted salute to Trump's terrorists. From him to Congressman Gates of Florida, who insisted to the House last night that those who tried to violently overthrow the government of the United States were actually leftists in disguises. Happily, Congresswoman Cori Bush is drawing up a bill of expulsion for all members of Congress who helped to incite the attack on the Capitol. Be of good cheer. All this will end with Joe Biden inaugurated, democracy victorious, the coup disemboweled, and the traitors facing trial. And now it will be up to the rest of us to end the careers of those Republican collaborators. Good night and good luck. Did he just invoke Pearl fucking Harbor? January 6th, 2021, a day that will live in infamy? Are you fucking kidding? Like, this is the shit that's going on, man. People hear this shit and they're just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm out. I think that's what it is. They're just like, I'm not dealing with this fucking shit anymore. I'm out. And that's going to be the split between the Trumpets and the Republicans. And I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing it happen organically. It's more of a slow burn with the socialists and the Democrats. But boy, you want to see Nancy Pelosi lose her shit? Go, go find this week's episode of 60 Minutes when uh, she is asked about AOC. And Pelosi comes fucking unglued. You're 80. Right. You're number two, Steny Hoyer's 81. You're number three, Jim Clyburn is 80. Uh, why haven't you brought young people into the leadership? Because we have. You perhaps don't know. Why does AOC complain that you have not been grooming younger people for leadership. I don't know. You'll have to ask her. Because we are. That was kind of sharp, kind of dismissing her. I'm not dismissing her. I respect her. I think she's very effective, as are other, or many other members in our caucus that the press doesn't pay attention to. But they are there, and they are building support for what comes next. Like, they, you can tell, like, Pelosi just fucking hates her. Just hates her. Might be the only thing me and Nancy Pelosi agree on. Hey, again, it's the the implosion of the political system as we see it and as we know it. So the House to vote on impeachment Wednesday if Pence refuses to invoke the 25th Amendment. Again, that's just a, a regular majority vote. So I, I absolutely, it will just go... Either directly down party lines, you may see a couple of Republicans defect and vote with the Democrats on this one. He will be impeached. Then we get to the fun shit. And and we get to what happens on the Senate's behalf of this thing. 
Um, so the impeachment article invokes the 14th Amendment, which is a post-Civil War era addition to the Constitution that prohibits anyone who engaged in an insurrection or rebellion against the United States from holding future office. Lawmakers also citing specific language from Mr. Trump's speech, most of which I actually already read to you, uh, Wednesday, riling up the crowd, quoting him saying, if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. No, well, that is, is that not true? I mean, have, have, haven't people been saying that for the better part of like, you know, 80 years? Seems very, very weird to me. Well, I, I, 80 years. I have, isn't that what we were built on? Well, yeah, there is that. Probably going back to the fucking British. They've been saying that. I mean, for the right. love of God. I mean, if if you want, you know, they came here to find their own fortunes. They could have an opportunity to prosper, to get away from an old regime, uh, and, and that was the battle cry at that point. Okay. Now, now here's the problem: the time of the trial remains unclear. Because the Senate is not currently in session. The Senate is actually on break until January 19th. The earliest that they could do anything would be January 20th, which happens to be Inauguration Day. Um, Now, Chuck Schumer is going to be taking over as the majority leader in the Senate, um, but he is not yet. Senator Mitch McConnell from Kentucky is still the majority leader in the house. Now Schumer can call for the Senate to be recalled, but McConnell's got to agree with him in order to do that. And that, that ain't happening. Nah, that ain't happening. I mean, anybody who knows anything about Mitch, the turtle knows that ain't happening. So here is the argument against the impeachment. Because God knows everybody else out there is making a case for the impeachment. Here's the reality. Here's what the Constitution says. The Constitution says that private citizens are not subject to impeachment. The founders rejected the British model, which allowed Parliament to impeach anyone except for the king. So they limited impeachment to certain public officials, including presidents, subjecting the president to impeachment after he has returned to private life seemingly, according to this logic, violates a very, very basic constitutional principle and basically says the Senate no longer has jurisdiction over Donald J. Trump once Donald J. Trump is no longer the president of the United States. And I can't believe that any court on the face of the planet is going to say otherwise. Even if they go ahead and they they do this phony impeachment after he has left office... Trump and his attorneys are going to appeal that decision probably all the way up to the Supreme Court, and they're going to throw it out. Like this, this is a very, very basic constitutional principle that they're just talking about suspending. And anybody who thinks that that is a good idea is fucking insane because you are setting a precedent that is going to be used for the next However long this country stands, whether it be two weeks or 160 years or forever, but this is going to be a precedent that they're going to be able to point back to just to throw the president out of office because we don't like him and he's mean. This is a terrible idea. 
And all this does is divide the country even further. This is not good. This is not good in any way, shape, or form, and nobody can convince me otherwise. You're worried about 2024? Here's an idea. Beat him! If people hate him so fucking much, it shouldn't be that goddamn hard. Hey, it's four more years to figure out how to manipulate a system in it. Or eliminate a system, as it seems to be going on in this country right now. I, I guess you, you do have a point where where somehow the the word equality has, has morphed into priority. I guess instead of manipulating, we're going to begin getting eliminating. Yeah, and, and the first step is to take away the freedom of speech. So they've gotten Donald Trump is no longer on Twitter. He's no longer on Facebook. He's no longer on Instagram. He's no longer on YouTube. He's no longer on Google. He, hell, he's not even allowed on Snapchat, Reddit, Twitch, Amazon. Fuck, Rick, they threw him off of Pinterest. Donald Trump can't even use Pinterest at this point. What is the world coming to? Um and now, of course, we're, we're seeing everything that is going on where it's not just Donald Trump. They have effectively basically put a kibosh on Parler, which had basically become a right wing version of Twitter. At least that's what they try to sell it as. Um, I don't think it is. There's nothing that says that Democrats can't sign up for Parler. There's nothing that says Democrats can't use it the same way that they use fucking Twitter. It was just the Republicans got tired of looking at your fucking social justice warrior bullshit on Twitter. And so they went and they found somewhere else to talk because they got tired of listening to your bullshit. That's very much the way I see it. But they got Parler pulled off. Now there's a huge lawsuit going on between Parler and Amazon because Amazon hosted the Amazon Web Services for the entire Parler infrastructure, which is why if you go to Parler.com right now, you, there's nothing there. The entire site has gone dark. Um, but Rick, all of this is going to lead back to the OHIO. Yeah, in 1969, Bradenburg versus Ohio that's really what this is going to come down to, a landmark decision of the United States Supreme Court interpreting the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. The court held that the government cannot punish inflammatory speech unless that speech is directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless action and is likely to incite or produce such action. Specifically, the court struck down Ohio's criminal symbolism statute, which because the statute broadly prohibited the mere advocacy of violence. This is where it's going to get down to it. Advocacy versus inciting. That's what this it's all going to come down to those two words. The impeachment of Donald Trump. His removal, his disqualification from ever being able to use Pinterest again is going to come down to two words, advocacy or inciting. That's it. That's how much words matter. And when I go back and I read through that entire freaking speech, bringing us back to the beginning of the show, I encourage you to go read it. I see absolutely nothing there inciting violence. I just don't. 
Yeah, unless unless again, twist it to to push an agenda. You're, you're absolutely one hundred percent. And I did make the comparisons there. If you know there isn't enough there for impeachment against Trump, and I know we have these widespread attacks now in in going for the Freedom of Speech Act or the argument, if you will. And I know Parler. Uh, I think less that I'd seen, you know, worth half a billion dollars uh, in their lawsuit. I don't think they have much legs to stand on now. And it's not to say that I agree with the, the tactics being employed here, especially by Amazon. And, and, and then that trickle down through these other social media platforms. But when in, in legally speaking, they are within their rights in how they have structured this shutdown that there's not much legal legs for for Parler to stand on. Now, it goes back to the chess game I'm talking about, and this is what really disgusts me in this entire situation, is they have put all these pawns out there. We have been essentially confined to our homes. We are told where we can go, when we can go, how we must act, when we go out to interact in society, the, the scare tactics have got great portion of our society where they don't even want to do it. They, they are on a locked, you know, they're on lockdowns. And while you are there, you have different ways to, to interact with the world outside of you. That is either through traditional forms of media and television and print. You have your, your digital and social online. And now they are monitoring, not just monitoring, but limiting and eliminating what information you are consuming. These control tactics are absolutely disgusting. Well, first of all, um, as far as the parlor situation goes, my understanding of the lawsuit is because all of Parler's uh, server information, all of their web space was hosted through Amazon Web Services. Um, Correct. They're not on like a month-to-month plan. Uh, my understanding is that lawsuit is about violation of contract. Uh, inside of, well, and then you also have the argument in there is... It's all going to come down to their terms of services, and I have no idea what those look like. Yeah, and, and I... I Again, without going, it's like I know we, we've got the the four pages for impeachment there. But what you see in that terms of service, it looks like something you would usually go through Capitol Hill where, you know, it's just hundreds of pages of nonsense. Uh, I took it a look through those and, and trying to study, you know, the legs that that Amazon has to support their case here. And when, when the legal precedent that we're going to have is that they have they have great concern with how parlor was regulating a small portion of their own audience but the, the issue, they were allowing but the, it goes back to the corralling i'm talking about here. well and, and my other understanding is they also host a lot of web services for twitter well, so if it, you're going to apply the one standard to parlor why is it not being applied to twitter and that's where the whole antitrust comes in well, it, again, you've got the, the manipulation of this in this chess game where they're putting their pawns in into place. Now it makes a lot more sense why it was so pressing that we have the CEOs of Twitter and Facebook 
and, and other well-established platforms why they were testifying on the Hill. While, while there were inquiries into how do they handle their business, if it be for proper fact-checking, uh, if it's support of the right or the left, whatever kind of news is being fed through those platforms, now we're beginning to see why that was so pressing, why they were stressing these issues. And- because in, in turn, now they are using that as ammo against Parler to say, you know, these other platforms have gone through these hoops. They have met these criterias. You have yet to do that. But the, in doing so, they are they are sig- singling out a very small portion and labeling the entire platform as an extremist to terrorist outlet. For individuals, when that is not the case, and as you said, Jarko, there there is no limitations that who can join. There's no one that is excluded. You know, they don't ask your political views or anything like that when you when you try to sign up for that and then immediately ban you if it doesn't go along with some sort of, of BS agenda that that is trying to be this cloud that's supposed to be hanging over them. No, that's absolutely not the case here, but it does fit into the the you know i guess the, the terms of agreement between the two parties when they when they started working together here now we could easily just you know go back and look at both twitter and facebook who have they do not take down when you see propaganda posts coming from china or iran there's no action taken there right hell hey but hashtag but hey mike pence was trending on twitter the other day I mean, you want to talk about things that, you know, oh, well, Trump is inciting violence with his Twitter feed. Hang Mike Pence was trending. I mean, come on. Disgusting? Yes. But will it hold in the legal system? Well, and and I I go back to go back to it's the same thing we're talking about with impeachment, where it is an absolute it's an absolute laughing stock. And it has to go both ways, right? The 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 case that I am much more interested in, rather than Parler versus Amazon, is what Devin Nunez is up to. Um, Devin Nunez, for those who may not be aware, is a representative from the state of California. Yeah, a Republican from California. I know they, it, it's weird. It's kind of like Bigfoot. They do exist, but he says that Amazon, Apple, and Google. And their suspension of Parler is clearly a violation of antitrust, civil rights, and racketeer-influenced and corrupt organizations act. Rick, this is my favorite law on the face of the planet. It's RICO. That's He's going for a RICO violation against these assholes. If he can prove that all three of them were talking to each other and put this fucking plan together and it is a violation of antitrust, he can bring them all down at the same fucking time. Now, now see, now we're entering into a different conversation. This is, is fun. I like now, this. Now, now the plot thickens. Uh, I'll tell you... Someone out there that kind of weighed in on this thing it really caught my attention. And I think a lot of people should perk up to this thing. Uh, the richest guy out there, even Elon Musk, took a shot at specifically West Coast big tech. Well, yeah, he and, moved the fuck out of there, man. They they relocated to uh, Texas just outside of Austin, I think. 
Well, he recently came out and he said he in, in kind of in a joking fashion. He said this will be very interesting to see how long people put up with West Coast big tech trying to manipulate their media. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Here's a clip from uh, Devin Nunes and what he's got to say about what's going on with this RICO case against Amazon, Apple, and Google. The effect of this is that there is no longer a free and open social media company or site for any American to get on any longer. Because these big companies, Apple, Amazon, Google, they have just destroyed a what was likely, Parler is likely a billion dollar company. Poof, it's gone. But it's more than just the financial aspect of that. Republicans have no way to communicate. If, it doesn't even matter if you're a Republican or conservative. If you don't want to be regulated by left-wingers that are at Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, where you get shadow banned, nobody gets to see you, nobody gets to see you, they get to decide what's violent or not violent, it's preposterous. So I don't know where the hell the Department of Justice is at right now or the FBI. Uh, this is clearly a violation of antitrust, civil rights, the RICO statute. There should be a racketeering investigation on all the people that coordinated this attack on not only a company, but on all of those like us, like me, like you, Maria. I have three million followers on Parler. Tonight, I will no longer be able to communicate with those people. And they're Americans. And by well, the way, unlike the fake social media sites, we know that everybody that's on Parler, because you get certified, there's a number. It's actually very, a very, very safe platform. And if you break the law on Parler, the FBI can subpoena to, get, to find out who those people are. If you break crimes yeah. on Facebook this and Twitter, good luck. Good luck trying to find out who they are. So Parler has went above and beyond. It's one of the reasons why I didn't go to Parler, you know, eight months ago because it was a Republican platform. I didn't know if it was Republican or not. I went there because I knew that I could express my thoughts freely and that I knew that my that the the list as I post something was going to be there and that that Facebook and Twitter weren't going to be manipulating it. That's fun, man. I love Rico cases. Rico cases excite me for like the, the weirdest fucking reasons, right? Like the things that stick with you, you know, Rico cases. Fucking great. Absolutely now, I, great. I, now, Jark, I got to ask you here. As we know, we were talking, you know, we regularly been talking about what's next, the, the evolution of Donald Trump. Which one are you more excited for? Is it a uh, Trump was on? Trapple? Trump book? <laughs> I, I still like I like TNN, man. Trump News Now. Ah, yeah, Trump. I think and realistically here, what we're talking about, you know, you see this mass exodus and people saying, you know, leave these platforms. I was checking out the stock portfolios across the board here. Everyone taking some, you know, that the, the platforms we just talked about taking some tremendous hits, except for Amazon. Uh, they're significantly up through the afternoon, but everyone else taking it on the chin here. There is going to be an opportunity. We regularly talk about here on the show, stay liquid, learn to play the game instead of instead of having the game play you. There, In the wake of this thing, there is going to be tremendous opportunity. We talk about party reform for media reform. Yeah, and, and independent media specifically. 
Um, and and in a weird way, I'm kind of seeing this trend where people are wanting to get back OTA rather than, you know, having being distributed through some kind of a platform like a direct TV through a dish network. They want that OTA signal, even if it's a dot, even if it's a sub channel, you know, where they don't have to worry about anybody but FCC compliance. Quite interesting. You know, it's for it's it's just kind of when things come full circle, the more the push, the further the move away from that. Yeah, it's it, that that intrigues me greatly. That one gets me gets me going greatly. Um, OK, right, be, before we trans uh, transition over to HTM sports, I, I, I got to throw this in here because this was the most hilarious clip that I heard on the news media over the course of this week. Um, this is a clip from uh, everybody's good friend, Rachel Maddow, over at MSNBC. And she is amazed that, that there's a, a recent poll out that 28% of Americans believe that they are trying to put together a new world order. Well, this week, PPP released the findings of a poll of how, um, how much Americans believe in conspiracy theories. That's where we got our lizard people numbers from. We also learned that the percentage of Americans who believe that a secret power elite with a globalist agenda is conspiring to eventually rule the world through an authoritarian world government or new world order, that percentage is 28%. Rick, she's flabbergasted. She can't believe it. 28%. Oh, my God. And the lizard people. She's comparing the NWO concept to the lizard people. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dear Rachel Maddow, because I know you, you, I'm sure you listen to this show just as much as Sidney Powell listens to the Infinite Fringe. Dear Rachel Maddow, perhaps this is why at least 28% of Americans believe in the new world order. The affirmative task we have now is uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order because the global order is changing again. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. It's a need for a new world order, but it has different characteristics in different parts of the world. Never before has a new world order had to be assembled from so many different perceptions or on so global a scale, nor has any previous order had to combine the attributes of the historic balance of power system with global democratic opinion and the exploding technology of the contemporary period. After 1989, President Bush kept said, and it was phrased that I often used myself, that we needed a new world order. So in conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, a new world is emerging. It is a new world order with significantly different and radically new challenges. And the hope that each of us has to build a new world order. And I strongly believe India 
will be a central actor in the new world order. In case you missed it, ladies and gentlemen, that super clip contains every president going back about 40 years at this point, talking about, you know, we have to put together a new world order, including Joe fucking Biden! Including Joe Biden! On the record! Why would people believe in that? Oh! Jesus fucking Christ. Well, I, I gotta say uh, one thing. That's just two. So we Hogan must pose. Hey guys, it's the Andrew Bello from the Humming Media Group podcast of the year, the Wednesday Locker Room and the former host and founder of the Next Level Wrestling Podcast. It's 2021, and it's time to kick out and leave the past behind us. Hameen Media Group starts the year off with over 2.25 million downloads, and our fan base is continuing to grow every day. Thank you for subscribing and sharing all of our channels, podcasts, and videos, and for standing strong with HMG in the face of ongoing censorship. We will always adapt and overcome any obstacles put in our way. We will overcome and certainly achieve even more success in the ever-changing digital landscape. Please make sure you're subscribed to Hacker Hameen and Hameen Media Group on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Thank you to all of the Patreon.com slash Hameen Media Group subscribers, home of the Rip Rogers FR podcast, named by Patreons to be their favorite show on the entire Hameen Media Group network. More content, including marketing and podcasting seminars, watch-alongs from Hameen's career in 2CW, OVW, DCW, and more. When you subscribe to Patreon.com slash Media Group, you are the fuel that drives HMG's free shows for the entire community. We salute you and thank you for your continued support in 2021. We continue our year supported by our daily listeners and our local sponsors including ProWrestlingTees.com. Get the shirts of all your favorite Hameen Media Group wrestling personalities and support them directly. Greek God Papadon, Stevie Richards, Chris Silvio, SEG Shirts for Big Sal, and of course, Ben Hameen, Yala. Also, check out ZordosOliveOil.com. Make a healthy choice for 2021 when you cook with Zordos Ultra Premium Artisanal Olive Oil imported directly from Greece. Visit ZordosOliveOil.com today and taste the difference of an ultra-premium product for yourself. And wake up, bro. It's time to get the official Vince Russo Bro Coffee. Kick the day off right, bro, with a cup of Broaster's Coffee. The exclusive limited edition Vince Russo Bro Coffee is a medium-roasted Nicaraguan blend with chocolatey notes and a smooth finish that will have you up and ready to go, bro. Order yours exclusively at thebroasters.com. And it's 2021, and the Hameen Media Group staff are all committed to Stevie Richards Fitness this year and getting ourselves into the best shape we've ever been in. You've seen Big Ray's amazing transformation, and there are plenty of SRF members interacting right now, motivating each other for the new year. So don't worry about gyms and lockdowns. Let's get in shape together 
using our community for support, and Stevie Richards Fitness to achieve our goals for 2021. Join us and visit StevieRichardsFitness.com for the most affordable and effective home workout program that will give you results, real results. 12 and 16 week resistant band programs are available for instant download now at StevieRichards.com and RussoBrand.com where the pros are pros, bro. Hear the most valid opinions in wrestling from the pros who live it. No other podcasting platform and online wrestling punditry has the lineup of wrestling stars like RussoBrand.com. Stevie Richards, Disco Inferno, Shane Douglas, Just Incredible, Big Vito, Stevie Ray, Taylor Hendricks, Bin Hameen. And now there's even more shows on the way with a partnership with the two-man power trip. Why would you go anywhere else but RussoBrand.com? We thank you for listening and being an incredible community of wrestling-addicted, conspiracy-minded, straight-brim hat-wearing infidels. By the way, Bin Hameen wrote this copy, and I'm currently in a basement being held at gunpoint. He's already shot Adler's twice, and I hope this is the correct style of intro he was looking for. So enjoy the show, HMG listeners. Please, for the love of Stevie, enjoy the show. All right, Huckleberry. I, I I tried to put it off, man, and I've tried not to rub it in. Yeah, but it's it's time for here. HDM let's, Sports. Let's talk about something that was not too sweet. No, 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 not no, well, not sweet. not for us here in the great state of the OHIO. Not for the Big Ten, man. Like the entire Big Ten felt this one because if it at least would have been close. But uh, I, I don't I think whew. this goes beyond and you know this one doesn't seem to sting as as much as maybe pass losses inside of a national championship and I I don't know if that really has to deal with you know everything that how sports has been trans transformed this year where it really just didn't seem up to that excitement level that we are used to as we usually are on you know the quest to crown a national champion or really a, a champions across the board of it be. World Series, NBA, even a little bit now inside the NFL. You know, it's just fallen a little short as sports has moved away from that norm. But even going in, you know, the feeling, the vibe around Ohio Buckeye Nation truly believe they, they, that when they were let into the playoffs, when they were selected to the playoffs, when they earned their spot inside that final four. They absolutely did that. They had earned it. They were one of the top four teams in the country. They, they had proven themselves to be the second best team in the country. But this year, there was just a, such a wide margin between that number one team and the rest of the field. Is this just legend at this point? Like, you gave me the, the number last night. What was it, like 13 players that they figured were going to the NFL off of this team? Yeah, you've got – coming out of, from Alabama – You've got 13 draft prospects, six of those already projected to go inside the first round. Is this just because those A-level recruits, the, the, the five-star recruits that every school in the country wants, they, they have their choice of the litter, they just go to Alabama at this point because of Nick Saban? Is this just the legend of Nick Saban is actually like so big? that they're just getting these recruiting classes that are, they're not even comparable. I mean, even Ohio State last night looked outclassed. 
Well, and I think, you know, it's just not what we're seeing on the field. It's just not inside the recruiting pro- the classes or their styles, their systems. It's really uh, what they've cultivated their culture. Well, it's about I mean, the location. We've seen this over and over and over. I mean, the, the one that really sticks out to me is Bobby Bowden at Florida State. I mean, when, when we were kids, if you were a football player that was worth a shit, you ended up going to Florida State, and Florida State just routed everybody there for about a decade. And it was just Bobby Bowden. Right, and I think, you know, you have, you do have that figurehead. He is the marquee. He represents modern Alabama football. And I think Saban, he, what he is so perfectly suited for is that he ties in that rich history as well. Well, and we, and we see it in college basketball, too. I, even more so with the, the legendary coaches like Calipari and Coach K and I, on down the line. The, the legendary coaches, it's like, you think Coach K has to try really hard to go get a recruit? You know what well, I mean? I, like, he's got people beating down his door wanting to come to Duke. Well, I mean, look at that. You know, I, I, you know when, how they present themselves. He, you know, he's not an over-the-top. He's not one of those flamboyant personalities in Saban. He seems very down to earth. He's very hoodie like. Yeah, it, it, I think he. I know, and I wouldn't even make that comparison because you know we're in the difference with that NFL style. You know what you're going to get. You're professional. You're there. You're getting paid major dollars. I think they're two of the funniest people on the face of the planet. It's X's and O's. I have. I have a feeling. You know, when you get with Saban, that he gets in there and he really makes that fatherly con connection. With with the players he's recruiting, but it goes beyond just the, the players that he's bringing in. I mean, when you go there, I mean, you you look the defensive coordinator won a championship and celebrate the evening away, packed his bags, heading to Texas. How many how I mean, many coaches he's, has he's he gotten getting, paid over the course of the last twenty years? That's what I'm saying. So you you built that culture inside of your system. Everybody is being elevated. You're building everyone up. You know, it's a lot about the same philosophies, principles that we hear through the Hamian Media Group. You're going to yep. get your own piece of land, but it's yours to farm. Yep. What can you grow on it? But you're going to be given this tremendous platform that you can watch this thing, whatever you want it to be, to blossom in that in that direction. And look at the success, you know, that, that we have seen with just our colleagues here. You had that on a much larger scale at Alabama. Now, let's even look in just the you, you've got the history. And it's just not what uh, modern history. You have the, how Saban is able to tie that. And you you truly feel that old history with Bear Bryant. Oh, yeah. you, you feel that alive today. You, you feel that those two somehow have this strange connection. You have Saban able to go in there. He has this this weird bond, this connection he's able to make with with players, with staff, with that fan base. But even inside their recruiting, look where they're at. They made mention of this during the game last night. You look at their running backs, that running core, and it's been there for years. They're going into the heart of Florida and getting those athletes. Oh, yeah. And that is one of the – but just inside the SEC, the the level of athlete that they're going for, that caliber is so different than anywhere else in the country. And a lot of that comes down just to weather uh, of how you can train and prepare throughout the entire year. We're opposed to other parts of the country or other things that are that are maybe an emphasis is put on. You get down there, football is it's just not a sport. It's not a seasonal thing. It is a way of life. It's religion, you betcha. 
It was funny. I got into a conversation on Facebook last night about, you know, some, it, it is, it was a point where you had seen, and it, and a reason I, it wasn't just Ohio state. It wasn't just big 10 college football fans kind of complaining. They're looking for anything to complain about at this point. And I was regularly telling people it, it's not worth it this time. You're looking at a team that is just so dynamic and powerful in Alabama. This was going to happen no matter what. But some people are reaching for, well, they never have to travel. All these big bowl games are, you know, they're always down in the South. Well, yeah, because again, like as I was talking about recruiting and how those players are prepared, it's, it's their weather. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Nobody, you're you're not going to hold major games. Same thing with like Super Bowls in sort. It's just not about the game itself. They are travel destinations. You're, you're trying to boost a local economy. You want people not to just fly in day of the game, out that night, out the next morning. You're hoping that they turn this into a week-long trip. Well, They're there to experience the culture of that city. It's, in addition, drop major bucks. I'm and sorry. it's a winter sport. It's a winter yeah. sport. I mean, like- where, where in the North, you know, to suit a potential Big 12 or Big 10 team, in the north, for travel reasons, are you going to find that as a travel destination? Maybe. And it's still not as appealing as going to New Orleans or, or going down to Florida. But maybe Indianapolis. Minneapolis. 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 Maybe. I mean, it's a push. Well, in, it, it in January, it is. But it, and and the only reason Minneapolis is part of the equation is because of that new facility that they built up there. That that fuck, that place is ridiculous. And um, that's what I'm saying. I don't know much about their nightlife there. I imagine they have in a tremendous entertainment district that they invested in to go along with the new stadium facility. But that's the same as that you see with Indianapolis, right? You yeah. know, they they have yeah. got a tremendous nightlife there. Well, and. This is where Chicago done fucked up. I understand everybody loves Soldier Field, but you're cutting yourself off from the rest of the country for about, you know, four or five months out of the year. Nobody wants to go to Chicago in freaking January or February. How many how many Super Bowls do you think the city of Chicago has lost out on because of Soldier Field? I understand people love Soldier Field. But you're, you know, you're you're shooting yourself in the what, foot. What is the level of Soldier Field? I think that's just more the history. It's not yeah. that nice of a facility. No, it's a fucking shithole, man. It's a shithole. Yeah, and the only thing shittier than the stadium is the surrounding area. Yeah, and it's right downtown. Like, nobody wants to do that. Absolutely. I mean, now, you, you get over by Wrigley. I mean, that's a decent part. Or we went for, for All In. Yeah, which is basically nice like the, the Navy west Bay. coast of uh, Chicago, out in like the Schaumburg area. Yeah, but that but we went there on the back end of summer, right? That all that ain't going on in January. Hell, fucking no! Hell no! Uh, I you know I someone had thrown out the you know what about Detroit? Nobody wants to go to to Detroit any time of the year. Take them to Detroit. Great. If you've ever seen Kentucky Fried Movie, you get that joke. Uh, Mac Jones, quarterback for Alabama, 46, or I'm sorry, 36 of 45 last night, 464 yards, five touchdowns, QBR of 98. That's that's as goddamn close to perfect as you can freaking get without being perfect. Devontae Smith, wide receiver, 12 receptions, 215 yards, three touchdowns. Ohio State had absolutely no answer for him. Alabama wins the time of possession by 15 minutes. But I feel like the big loser last night 
there was a crop of people out there that were saying, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick. It might be Justin Fields. Yeah, those people were wrong. Justin Fields goes 17 of 33 for 194 yards against the best defense that he will face in his collegiate career, which is still going to be a bad defense compared to what the NFL defenses are. Rick, I feel like Justin Fields was the big loser last night. One of the things that surprised me, and this is going back, I mean, throughout the season was how – over and over through these these draft per, um, predictions, how high he was ranked here. I never saw this in Justin Fields. For, for him to be even a top 10 pick. I think, you know, he, he showed tremendous potential in the Clemson game. But again, we were reminded of what you really have here. Now, this isn't, I'm not, this is not a knock. I think there's tremendous upside. He could have an incredible NFL career, but it's going to take the right situation. And it's not, and it's not going to be having one of these, these low end performance teams with a high draft pick going out there and take a risk with some huge payday for him. I mean, that's tremendous. You go out there and get that initial payday. But as I regularly preach here, as my arguments against the draft, your money is going to come in those second deals in a longer career. I really think he has got to end up somewhere where he can continue to grow and if, and especially evolve into more of an NFL style and more of a slash role. That's He's got to learn to throw from the pocket. There, there, there's so many of these collegiate quarterbacks. I mean, Fields had like 65 yards rushing last night too. Guess what he's not getting in the NFL? 65 yards rushing. You, you got to stand there. You got to learn how to throw that football. You know, and and we we seen even like Tua. Tua was a fantastic college quarterback. He's got to learn to stand there and throw inside of that pocket, or he's gonna get ate, eaten alive. I, even Mahomes at this point, they're starting to figure him in, figure him in out. You know, but what's he do now? He's stepping up in that fucking pocket and throwing the goddamn ball. And I think what you, what you, if you really if you watched a lot of fields as I have, and you really study that delivery. It really seems that he lacks confidence at times when he has to step up and make those big throws. And again, I don't want to do this as an attack on him. He just has to be more assured in his decision making. As it comes across as, you know, he doesn't really know if he should tuck and run with it, if he's got to deliver the ball. When you're when you're having that back and forth in your own mind as a quarterback, you're not going to have much success. You have got to be able to pull the trigger on a decision and have confidence in your abilities that you're going to be able to execute. And I don't see that in fields. I know he took that early hit and he was struggling, struggling with some pain, but you could really feel the entire Ohio state team seemed to lose some confidence, but especially fields when you saw sermon go down. Yeah. And he left the game with that broken, with that broken collarbone. Now I know, I know master T he went out there and had an, an incredible performance trying to pick up the running game. But it just felt like so much of the adrenaline, the fuel that lights that fire for Ohio State, they had lost that when when Sermon had left that game. And especially, you know, I I thought they they had a little bit of life. They They felt a little bit of rejuvenation when they forced that fumble. 
uh, because even as a fan and the players, they had to know this thing. You're working, you're walking on eggshells with with this Alabama team. If you can't go there, this this to truly walk in there for a game with them, you're looking at a heavyweight boxing bout because you are going to throw haymakers and you have got to go toe to toe, punch for punch. And Ohio State just wasn't able to do that. No one in the country has been able to do that. Yeah, not consistent with Alabama. Nope. And uh, you know we we could t- some of these stats here. Time and time again last night, I just kept thinking to myself, bravo to the game planning, to saving the offensive coordinator. How they use all these different incredible weapons, these athletes, but the movement across the field and how they spread this thing and and open up all of these options. A lot of Buckeye fans, they they were jumping on Kerry Combs, the defensive coordinator, because he was sitting in, you know, just refused to move out of that zone you what couldn't do, you do? do anything else what do you do you could not man up you saw the situation where they would where you could get uh Devontae smith in a situation one-on-one and it was anybody you're putting on him and, and those poor white boy linebackers were just getting embarrassed when they found themselves didn't in that stand spot. a chance didn't stand a chance and, and, I, and that's all you're right that's all motion I, getting that matchup for him against those little white boy linebackers, I, they didn't stand a chance, man. You had you had Smith 215 yards receiving. I would love to see a stat tracker with how many yards he covered just in motion behind the line of scrimmage right. before snap. Yep. Everywhere, end up just in the slot to run a slant, you know, or like. just yeah, or just to see his non-ball yards. How he's moving around because the swing patterns, the ends, and you know the the zigs and the zags, simply incredible how they would manipulate that you know those defenses to open him up, and it just wasn't him across the board. You have got all these incredible weapons available at, at Bama's disposal here. Let's throw it over to the NFL. Run through the uh, the scores from this past playoff weekend. Buffalo outlasting Indianapolis 27-24. Rick, I I think everybody kind of looked at this game and thought, you know, that might be the most entertaining game of the week when it's all said and done, and they were not wrong. I would say that, but I don't know how entertaining it was if you were a Buffalo fan. Absolutely, you're ecstatic to get this win. First playoff win there since the 90s? Yeah. And you've been looking to kind of, you know, get that boulder off of your back. The, the Patriots have stepped down. You have kind of uh, assumed the the crown of the division, the two seed here, looking for great things, uh, especially down the line. I think at Buffalo, you're, you're a little bit worried. If you're even in the fans, you've got to take a step back here that the Colts were able to come in here and give you this kind of a scare. Yeah. How, how about that playoff, Phillip Rivers, huh? Uh, yes, absolutely got me. So, uh, it, 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 he surprised me. So, great performance by Andy Buffalo. I hope you're ready week two because you've got the Ravens coming for you. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about them here in a second. Rams upset the Sea Chickens 30 to 20. Thank you, Los Angeles Rams, for eliminating Russell Wilson and, you know, hopefully saving my blood pressure a little bit. Uh, Rick, Seattle did not look that great in this game. That Rams defense, though, 
they're kind of scary when they want to play. I mean, it's just a matter of how much are they going to want to play. Well, how how much they have in a tank? You know, the Rams have been one of those teams. And how many of them are going to be able to play? Because there's a lot of injuries for the Rams coming out of that game. And again, it's it kind of it's fitting. So the Rams have been one of those teams that you don't know who's going to show up week to week. Yeah, yeah, they, they they're very very bipolar. And as impressive as this was, I could see them coming you know coming out next week and turd and yeah, and and just actually you know getting eliminated in a, in a blowout. Yeah, I, Jared Goff does not look like he can throw the ball more than like seven yards. You know, and it's that thumb injury. He just can't grip the football. You know, I, I don't know what the Rams are going to have. Uh, Bucks over Washington, 31-23. This game was a little bit closer than I kind of thought that it might be. Any any thoughts on this one? I mean, it was Tom Brady being Tom Brady. Hey, it's, it's playoff football. And I was just, hey, just cover, baby. And that's what they did. This game saved my ass on Saturday is the main event. Uh, Buffalo let me down. The Rams let me down. Hey, out of the gate, I had parlayed. I had Buffalo, Seattle, and Tampa. Immediately lost that. So I, I'm in panic mode. I, I try to recoup a little bit by doubling down on Seattle. Out the window. And, and I got ballsy. I got ballsy. And I, and I played it all. I laid it all on the buck. So I, I was able to break even thanks to, thanks to Uncle Tom down there. Ravens toppled the Titans 20 to 13 and Baltimore is the team that nobody wants to play right now. I'll tell you what was, you know, really look at the stories, the big headlines coming out of this game, you know, inside of this thing, the Ravens, a little bit of a slow start. They go down 10 zero and this is not a team that has built to play from behind. No. And it's, everyone's known that if you can get up on the Ravens, you're going to beat them. They had not overcome a 10-point deficit the entire year until this game. We talk about getting those boulders off your back. you got to be feeling pretty good if you're the Ravens to not only go on the road, have uh, great performances, but to find yourself in a situation like this that you haven't been able to overcome and you finally conquer that mountain. You've got to be feeling pretty damn good. Saints straight up bitch slap the Chicago Bears. And this was a very, very interesting game for me to watch um, just because I have so many fan, uh, friends of mine that are Bears fans. And it, it, it was just bizarre watching. I was going to say, you get that affiliate personality plaque and now you've got fans everywhere. <laughs> no, Bear fan friends. It's it's kind of a tongue twister. Um, watching them watch this game was entertaining for me, you know, because it was like there was probably about 80% of them that were just like, fuck this team. This team sucks. Let's get this over with. And then the other 20% thought that Mitchell Trubisky was about to take them to the Super Bowl or something. It, it's just, it, it bears fans are so weird, man. They're so freaking weird. Saints being the saints. I, I expected that. Let, let's talk about the main event. Well, before, before we get here, the main event. Now, it, you know, well, a little bit of the hype around this thing. Obviously, everyone looking forward to we got the third matchup here of the season. Uh, Tampa and the Saints. Uh, are you buying anything into this that this could be the final hurrah for, for Drew Brees? I think so. Uh, 
Drew's arm, and, and I've, I've felt this way for the better part of even last year, I just feel like his arm has lost something. And if Drew Brees can't be Drew Brees, then thanks for the memories, Drew Brees. You know what I mean? I think, you know, it's a great story for the writers, for the reporters, for us conversating about it. I think it's, it, I think it's going to be a decision made in the moment by yeah. Drew Brees. And it's about how it plays out. You know, if the Saints can go on and win this thing, you know, maybe you look towards of what Peyton Manning did and, and go out riding high. That's a good point. That's if, a good point. If you get eliminated somewhere, if it be in conference, if it be in the Super Bowl, I think it's about how he plays. Right. Now, if it, if it comes down to maybe that he didn't help that team win or it falls on his shoulders, you know, that's going to, it's going to weigh heavy on him. But if he goes it, out there and is it a he heartbreaker? Plays his ass off, is, is, is it a, a heartbreaker or do you go out there and just get blown out? You know, like I, I feel like, all, yeah, you're right. All of that's going to play into it with Breeze. Uh, and I think to me, instead of, exactly knowing that this and being able to appreciate that this could be the, you know, the, the final ride of one of the greatest of our generation. I think that is the intrigue is how is this going to affect his decision? Well, we got another guy like that to talk about too. And his name's Ben Roethlisberger, the Browns with their biggest win since the rebirth of the franchise. I think that's safe to say as they, they, Beat the Steelers forty eight thirty seven to knock the Steelers out of the playoffs. I, I don't know when you look at everything that this franchise, the city, the fan base, the Browns backers, what they have gone through. I don't know if it's just the biggest win since the rebirth. It could be the biggest win in the history of Cleveland football. Hey Jargo, wow. we we are talking about here the ultimate heartbreak for arguably the loyalist of loyal fans that you're going to find in any sport. Let's look at some of this. First time in the playoffs in 18 years. First playoff victory in 23 years. The first road playoff win since 1969. Wow. The first time that they have beaten the Steelers multiple times in a season since the 80s. Wow. And to have this come, you know, to have this happen for them back to back. First time ever that they've beaten them back to back in, in two weeks. Well, it, it probably hasn't happened very often either. No, it, it actually, the last time that the Browns went to the, the playoffs, <laughs> Steelers double-dipped them. <laughs> it was the 18 years ago. They had finished the season up with, with each other. Uh, the Browns still got in. They had to play again the next week, and the Steelers double-dipped them. Well, congratulations, Cleveland. This week, you're the biggest dog in the uh, that's left inside of the playoffs. Well, it, it, I've talked to a number of my friends up Do north, and just the Browns backers. I mean, this is a Do moment. They care? Yes. Do, uh, do they actually think they stand a chance against Kansas City? That doesn't matter right now. No one thought they had a chance last week in Pittsburgh. Well, no, that, but but that's I, what it, I'm it saying. Like, is, they didn't go down. To, they, I'm saying, can they go to Kansas City and lose by forty? And Browns fans are like, at least we beat fucking Pittsburgh. Like, yes. and they can just hang their hat on that. Like they're good. 
Yes, because of what I just laid out there. I mean, you had an entire generation of those fans that have not seen playoff football win. That have barely seen, you have some of them that haven't seen playoff football for this franchise. I I had a very good friend, Big Neil Pearson, because I work with in wrestling, ecstatic to tears. And all he really could think of at the time, is, I mean, how tremendous of a feeling this was and how he just wished that his father was still alive to share this moment with him. Because that is what it, what it absolutely meant. And to, to get over that mountain, to, to claim this accomplishment. Now, it just doesn't, you know, it's not like, okay, we don't care about next week. It is them, again, it is a Cleveland against the world here. They're going to go in there and give it their absolute best shot as a team representing the town, the Browns backers. But at the end of the day, win or lose next week, lose. they will have this achievement, and they are going to cherish it. And, and this is the, the biggest ray of hope that this franchise has had in forever. I mean, to, to get to the playoffs here, to prove that you could win a playoff game, it gives you tremendous momentum as you look towards the future. On the other side of the ball, Big Ben Roethlisberger. Um, was this it for Big Ben? That seems to be the big conversation that's kind of going on right now. Big Ben seemed like he took this loss really, 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 really hard. I don't think that's the way Big Ben wants to go out. Well, I, when you look at back at this game here, maybe the most moving visual is to see Big Ben sitting there at the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, alone, dejected. Probably at that point, lost, confused inside of his own head. Well, and, you know, to kind of bring it back to wrestling a little bit, we, we heard the promo from Jay White after uh, the match with Kota Ibushi. He's like, you know, this is the closest to death that I've ever been, and I failed, and I don't want to do this anymore. And, like, that, that's kind of like with Big Ben, like, do I still want to keep doing this? Do I want to put myself through this again next year? Like, I'm, I'm really interested how this is kind of weighing on him. Like, is, is this, uh, does this relight that fire for Big Ben? Come back, give it one more shot? Or is he, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, I, we can look at what's going on inside his head. I mean, look, you're 38 years old. And the injuries, I mean. I was going to say, you know, bruised, battered, and now in a loss here to Cleveland, like that? Ultimately beaten. But I mean, for, for all the as end like sits, that, after the way they started. And completely dejected. Oh. Well, and then, let's remember, this team started 11-0. Well, and you, and look, and and you, you look at the, I was going to say 11-0, but lost four of their last five. Yeah. Come in here, hands down favorite, inside of this first round game, and just to be completely upset and to have it happen to the Browns. Well, you know what right? that rivalry means. I mean, you, you could throw a rock from one city and hit the other man, Ben himself from Lima, Ohio, you know, an Ohio boy at heart himself to have it come down like this. But 
Uh, I think there's another a number of other factors we need to consider here. We're talking about the final score, and yes, that is ultimately what matters, the, the W and the L. But Ben went out there and had a record-breaking performance for completion in yards. Yeah. Yeah, you think in any world that you you tell him that he's going to go out there and put up, was it 37 or plus whatever points and they're going <laughs> to lose to the Browns? In any reality, he would believe that? Right. Yeah, uh, I don't know what happened to Pittsburgh, man. I, it, it was, I don't know. you know, that one extremely bad quarter of football <sighs> that had them eliminated here. I, ben still got it. it he, he proven that coming back off of the injury – and you saw what the, what happened to the Steelers last year, how important he is to their success. Now, something just, you know, it, it fell apart for them. They have got to, to fix that part of the ship. I think the biggest, you know, the bigger issue here is they are, as a <coughs> franchise, going to face salary cap hell. Yeah. Yeah. Not only do we need you to come back, Ben, but we need you to restructure your deal, too. Well, and they just restructured it. And they had just restructured last year with him out and diverted a lot of that back end money into this year and next year. Uh, and it's going to be an interesting story to watch this offseason. So I, I think as you know, as your Big Ben, I mean, the only NFL home you've known is, is Pittsburgh, and ultimately in the modern you know era, he's come to define Pittsburgh football. He's a big, tough. SOB that you can go out there, you can knock him around, push him around all you want, but it's tough as hell to beat him and knock him down. That that defines Pittsburgh football. Does he want to do that somewhere else? Does he feel comfortable that he's got enough in him to maybe go through a down year? But his contract's only it's only through next year, though. That's where the extension goes. So there's a lot on the table. I mean, will can he restructure again and hoping that that they can defer? Another two years out that he has enough in him to get him to 40 years old. Here's this here, here, here you go. A headline, a headline from ESPN. Ben Roethlisberger's $41.2 million decision looms large for Steelers. Here's your games for this week. Kicking things off. Rams at Packers. Packers favored by six and a half points. Rick, what do you think? Green Bay go out there and get the job done. I just think the Rams are too beat up. Yeah, I think it's uh, you know what, I don't think it, it's the same situation where the Rams are going to be cherishing and remembering the win in Seattle. Obviously, it's something that they can take pride in as they go into division play, or uh, yeah, division next year in in the West. I, I think this is the end of the road for them. I, I think just and it could be anybody right there. I just think the Packers right now they, they're they're rested. They're going to be fresh. I think they're going to come out firing. Ravens versus Bills, Saturday night, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Rick, I'm taking the upset. Buffalo favored by two points in this game. I'm going with Baltimore. I'll agree with you. I think, you know, the bright lights here, you got the night game. A little bit more hype around it. Even even anywhere in the playoffs, though, you get into those bright lights. Uh, It brings a different feel to it. I think you have a, a new confidence in an already cocky Ravens team, they're going to be very dangerous. Let's move to Sunday, kicking things off. 3.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Cleveland Browns make their way across the country to go to Kansas City 
tangle with the Chiefs. Rick, the spread is 10 points. Hey, uh, another major disrespect, right? A divisional playoff game and the the spread is 10 points. I mean, damn. Cleveland versus the world. Uh, You know, this one for in itself, the, the excitement level. The energy, the the belief in Believeland uh, of what they have behind them. I think it's going to be a great first quarter. Sunday evening, yeah. Not I won't I won't call this a night game because it, kickoff is at six forty p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is like a Sunday evening game. Buccaneers at Saints. This is the one, Rick. That I'm just. I don't know. I don't know. I genuinely, I have no idea. Saints favored by three points. Of course, the Saints are at home. You get three points for being at home. So it doesn't seem like anybody else knows either. Hey, you talk about a main event, a marquee. You're the league, the league, you're the networks, you're the, you're the advertisers. This is what you're, this is what you want, right? Absolutely. Uh, This is what it's, what it's all about. When you saw that Tom was going to Tampa, you had this penciled in so either here or in the NFC championship game. You, you know you're getting it twice. You won it round three. Stakes could never be higher here. I mean, you, you've got Brady is Brady. The the story that we talked about with Breeze, the the ifs and buts, what could be. Uh, it, it's going to be incredible. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. It's, it, putting a bet on this thing, it's going to be a line. It's gonna. It's gonna be about watching movement right up to, right up to to the coin flip. I, I gotta say, with, with you know it, that fan side inside my heart, gonna be pulling for Breeze and the boys. Fox has to be hoping, they have to be hoping that Breeze and the boys not only pull this game out, they have to be hoping that the Rams beat the Packers, right? They really want the Rams going to New Orleans for the NFC Championship game, don't they? <laughs> Man, if 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 you're a network and you know you've got all this, the league, you're you're the networks covering this. You're the advertisers. You gotta want a, that. It, you gotta want call. that. It, it is a tough call, though. Yeah, because I mean, the, there's probably more Packers fans nationwide that would tune in to watch a game. But man, just the the video packages, Rams at Saints, they yeah, well, they, they got to be re- salivating at that. And reliving that moment, and you talk about you you look at how the effect that that call that moment had on the Super Bowl when you had a boycott from the state of Louisiana in the Saints Nation to who that you know turn it off the Super Bowl that year, uh, simply incredible. But, but how can you go wrong right now? You're looking at how some of these games are playing out. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks. It, it, especially the NFC, what you got there, these teams. You got you got the story there with the Rams and the Saints. You couldn't go wrong with just continuing the story with Breeze. Can he go in to Lambeau, the frozen tundra, uh, against another surefire Hall of Famer? MVP, Super Bowl winner, Aaron Rodgers. And then in any situation, you put Brady in any of those. Yeah, you, you got three goats and Jared Goff. That's what's left in the NFC. Yeah, but but the Rams <laughs> have their own story in there. Oh, which... yeah, clearly. Now, I just I, think I, the Rams are too beat up. 
I think the only situation, if you're all of those parties and what you're looking for to paint this amazing picture and and collect them dollar bills is you don't want to see Tampa Bay and the Rams. Well, regardless of how this plays out, the NFC is going to be the baby face going into the Super Bowl, right? Like, are we, are we going to get, like, the full-fledged Patrick Mahomes heel turn this year where no matter what great, inspiring story we have coming out of the NFC, Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to be like, yeah, hold my beer, fuck this guy. Well, we, you know, we talk about those <laughs> advertisers. You'd mentioned it here, State Farm. Yeah, the State Farm Bowl, Mahomes versus Rodgers. That's what they want. Yeah, I saw an incredible stat on the AFC side with their quarterbacks of the four quarterbacks left. Baker Mayfield is the oldest one of the group, and oh he's not God. even and he's not even twenty six years old yet. And then you look at the, the the contrast between the AFC and the NFC. You got all the old guys in the NFC. You got all the young kids in the AFC. You, you, you really, you know what that that's pretty incredible itself because you've you know throughout history the AFC has always been kind of that modern, younger, yep. flashier style. Yep. Where the NFC is the good old boys network. Yep. The more tradition. Yeah. And now look crazy. at and you look at how franchises are built. The faces are at that quarterback position. You've got the young guns, the the wild, you know, West gunslingers there in the AFC, and you, you've got the, the the grizzled vets in the NFC. It's it's pretty remarkable. Uh, by comparison, in the A. They clearly want Baltimore and Kansas City, right? Like they they want Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes. Okay, or or you could do uh, hell, man. Cleveland or uh, Cleveland and Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants Buffalo. I don't think it's just not a sexy pick. No, uh, and I, it's not a sexy market. Yeah, I think you know you've had complete generations that have, for, have forgotten about the heartbreak there to see them, you know, to tell that story about what that meant. Yeah. All the, all those years ago. That, that It's still crazy, man. To think of how good that team was. Thermal Thurman Thomas, Jim Kelly. I, I tell you, it was interesting. I, I was a couple, Bad I, think it was, I think it made like our little, like our little B-roll, our, our, our pre-open conversation that Ben and I usually have on Monday mornings. But we, we were talking about him growing up in that time in upstate New York. Uh, you know, he and, and how it got to the point where, you know, even that fan base, a lot, most of them, and Ben included growing up, he was more of a Giants fan. But it, it really was where they just, okay, what we got here, we're going to lose again. It got to that point. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. All right, man, that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening, everybody. And if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Drop us one of the five-star ratings. Help us out in the algos. Hitting the Marks is brought to you by, of course, the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, Hameen Media Group, hackerhameen.podbean.com, hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. Keep up with the show across social media platforms. What is it, Huckleberry, at HTM underscore pod now? You got it, bud. Hell yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning You can keep up with me across social media platforms at not Jargo. RBB, how do the people keep up with you? Well, I just want to remind everybody of all, all the incredible projects we have happening as part of the Hameen Media Group. And you can pick up the core programming at hackerhameen.podbean.com. It's going to give you 
your wrestling headline shows, the reviews, the, the conspiracy talk. Where you can check out is where you can find Jargo and myself with the HTM podcast over at the affiliate channel, which is at the high is at Hami Media Group at Popping.com. Yeah, again, you get Jargo and myself. You get Jargo with Destino. Some uh, great reviews coming out of the Wrestle Kingdom review show. So you want to make sure you check that out. You also get South Park. You, you get Star Trek. You get Star Wars. What else we got going over here? You get the War on Morons. I, it's such a, a traumatic stuff. Right such opinion. A, sure, uh, yeah, the right, a right opinion. There. Absolutely. Uh, a little flavor, something for everybody. Again, you can get the core shows, hackerhamin.poppy.com. You get the affiliates at hamminmediagroup.com. Hey, and also, you know, we have kind of branched out here. We are working with some big time names inside the world of professional wrestling to kind of help them, you know, grow their brands. We're consulting with some marketing projects. I'm talking about, you know, names like Rip Rogers. Uh, you know, the guy that's responsible for, for grooming and crafting the likes of John Cena, Randy Orton, Brock Lesnar. Just, just a few names you might have heard of inside of professional wrestling. Also, full steam ahead. We're doing some tremendous work with Stevie Ray, the 10-time, 10-time, 10-time World Tag Team Champion, of course, of Harlem Heat. Stevie Ray, he's got some incredible interviews already up there. He's getting ready to launch one. It's, it's called Face to Face, the World's Most Dangerous Debate. He's going to have Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan. Oh, God. In a, a verbal joust. Oh, God. That's, that's coming up on the 14th. So we got two days away. That's going to drop on the 14th. That's just, days, that's just days away before those two square off at Hard to Kill. Impact Wrestling is hard to kill. They're going to be going at it in a hardcore match. Just couldn't keep your eyes on out there. As we continue to grow, continue to evolve, we've got a, a plethora of other projects coming your way, other talents that we're working on, of course, the association with Russo Brand, with, with Goldilocks. Again, packerhamin.podbean.com, hamimediagroup.podbean.com. Well, talk or to- you can just keep, keep up with me, the RBV, across all social media at The Real RBV. Well, talk to you next week. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! me don't give up your bad guy
that guy.